Welcome to the Illinois Soy Podcast. Enjoy. Today I'm speaking with Jason Bowler, a certified crop advisor, certified crop specialist, and a 2021 CCA soy envoy. Jason is also a seed specialist at M&M Service Company, where he specializes in advising growers and agronomic practices, fertility, and seed genetics to maximize yield potential and economic return on investment for each farmer's environment. Jason holds a bachelor's degree from Western Illinois University in agriculture science with an emphasis in agronomy, and he also grows corn, soybeans, and forages with his family near Litchfield, Illinois. Welcome to the show, Jason, and thanks for joining me today. Thanks for having me. We're excited to have Jason on the Illsoy Advisor podcast today because he's going to share some observations he's seen in the fields and share some ways we can get prepared for harvest. So Jason, how well are the soybeans standing? Well, um, I think that really tells a lot about how the growing season has gone uh, in different areas. I, um, I'll say locally here in South Central Illinois, um, quite a few of them are leaning a fair bit. Um, I think that's been kind of a reflection of, uh, uh, of the ample moisture we really had the back half of the growing season. Um, you know, it, well, that and early planting, this is the first year that really I'd say we've had widespread adoption of farmers really making a concerted effort to, uh, to get beans in the ground early. And I'd say in a lot of cases, we had some pretty good stands. So, I mean, there's some pretty, pretty high plant counts out there compared to seeding rate. And um, with this late season rainfall, uh, we're getting some leaning. I'd say there's not very many that are down bad to where I think there'll be much of an impact on yield, but, uh, but certainly beans are, are leaning out in these fields. Where the soybeans are standing pretty well, do you think that's more due to good management or a natural characteristic of the variety? Uh, so I think you could have had some of both. I mean, certainly there's a varietal difference in standability. Um, so actually I just uh, had a, um, a meeting up in Eastern Iowa, I guess at the beginning of last week. And I know they've been struggling with some weather conditions, uh, you know, some dry weather up there. And I mean, those bean fields were all standing perfect. Um, now I'm, I'm sure that's, that's due to the drought that's in dryness that's persisted there through the season. Um, so, I mean, you could have some of both um, and definitely um, plant stands. So if you've read any of my uh, earlier um, articles that I've posted, uh, you know, this year or last early season, I talk a lot about bean planting and, um, you know, plant seeding rate, um, you know, super early we have, uh, you know, like tail end of March, uh, even to mid-March, we have such a stressful emergence that, you know, it's common that people will plant 140,000 and, and get a stand of 80,000. Um, well, you know, at that planting date and, you know, that stand, generally they, you know, have full yield potential and, uh, you know, the beans stand well because they, they bush out and they're, they're not too tall and lanky. Um, but, you know, like this year, we had a lot of soybeans planted, you know, April 6th, which turned out to be a pretty good planting window here locally and through uh, the first 10 days of May. Um, and those both turned out to be really good planting windows for soybeans. And, um, you know, if they were planting 140,000, 160,000, they were getting almost perfect plant counts. And, 
you know, I think really that crowding caused a lot of the beans to, to, to grow in some extra height and that's kind of aiding and them leaning a little bit. So really it's kind of a genetic by environment, um, by planting date, uh, you know, I mean, I mean, all those things contribute immensely to how well the beans stand, so. And then talk to us a little bit about the late growth stage of soybeans. How do you know when they're getting close to maturity? So, I mean, clearly everybody knows driving around, you know, you start seeing beans turning yellow. Um, if you're really trying to gauge, um, you know, when a bean is going to start turning yellow, I mean, as you're starting to get a plan together for harvest, you know, maybe your aerial seeding, some oats and radishes. Uh, so you need to get some um, things in communication with an aerial applicator or, you know, just your own harvest schedule. You know, um, it, keep in mind that, you know, seed varieties are labeled by relative maturity. And, uh, you know, the, the word relative is important there. I mean, somebody may label a bean a 3.6 and it may ripen more like a 3.8. Um, so as you're trying to kind of stage out what your anticipated harvest schedule or maybe, you know, cover crop seedings, or like I said, anything else like that. Um, before they turn yellow, one little trick that I've learned is if you look at the top four nodes on the plant and you um, open those pods when your beans are still green, there's a little clear membrane inside there. If that membrane separates from the bean and clings to the pod, um, that's a sign that that plant, or I should say that that soybean has reached maturity. Um, and really over the next week to 10 days is you'll really start seeing them turn yellow. That's a sign that there's no more uh, photosynthates going into that bean. Um, so, I mean, that, that's a little bit of a, I guess, an increased time lead as to when to expect maturity. Uh, and, you know, usually once you start seeing quite a few yellow leaves, you're talking, three to four weeks from full maturity and harvest. So um, it's kind of a rough timeline depending on obviously, you know, heat, and wind and weather conditions. And then we've heard reports that many fields are showing signs of SDS or BSR. How can someone tell the difference? So yeah, those are two different diseases that, um, that we've seen some of. Um, I'll say we're fortunate enough that, uh, you know, it's not like 2014 was the worst year through here for sudden death that I can ever remember. I mean, it was taking out entire fields early. Um, I'll say a lot of the stuff that we've seen show up has been here in the last 10 days to two weeks, and it's been kind of localized uh, spots and patches in fields, which, uh, I mean, you know, in the scheme of things is going to affect yield very, very minimally. Um, so your foliar symptoms on both are extremely similar. I mean, it's that intravenal chlorosis turning to necrosis, which means, uh, you know, you'll have green veins uh, and then in between the veins, will start turning yellow and brown. Um, but I mean, the easiest way to tell them apart is to split the stem on the bean plant. And if the center of that stem is turned brown, it's likely brown stem rot. Um, and keep in mind that, you know, that disease produces structures that will stay in those localized areas um, for a few years to come. And SDS, not so much uh, as far as, you know, 
creating a structure to overwinter and stay in that spot for years to come. But um, I mean, it is a complex of fungal pathogens that uh, sets in shortly after emergence if the weather conditions are right. So, I mean, it's, uh, you know, it's not a telltale sign that you'll have it the next time you plant beans there. But, um, you know, if you do have a field that you've seen sudden death in a few times, it may be a uh, maybe a good management practice to consider a Saltro or an Ilevo or, or one of the SDS treatments in that field um, the following years. And then we know right now is a great time to evaluate the quality of an herbicide program. What are a few things you would look for? So, uh, you know, you can learn a whole lot if you know what to look for at the, at the end of the season. Um, so, I mean, you kind of got to think through what you're seeing. Um, you, you know, if you see some weed escapes out in a field, um, it's important to make it out there and, and take a look. So, you know, things that I look for are, is this a failure of a herbicide application? Um, you know, are, are the weeds that you're seeing showing sign that maybe their tops were burnt off um, and then they branched back out from underneath? Are we seeing are we seeing a new flush of weeds? Uh, you know, is the crop canopy thin and not holding back? I mean, at the end of the day, you know, we need to have crop canopy to get us through the finish of the season. Um, so maybe it's a thin spot in the field. Um, maybe it's a wet spot. Um, you know, if it's a if it's a late flush and not necessarily a thin spot in the crop. Uh, maybe we should have added in a layered residual um, to kind of help keep some of those weeds at bay. Um, so I guess really kind of diving in and, and seeing what kind of, uh, you know, the environment those weeds are presenting themselves in, you know, was it, maybe we need to change up our pre-emerge herbicide. Maybe we need to, like I said, layer, maybe it was failure of a post application. Um, so those are all kind of tips and cues to go out and take a look at to see you know, what are some management changes that we can make for next year? So that way, uh, that way we have better success. And now as we get into harvest, we expect many farmers will see wet areas that didn't grow soybeans, but is full of water hemp. Should they combine through it and spread the water hemp seed or pick up the head of the combine? So that's a great question. Um, and it really is a trade-off. Um, if there are wet holes and we don't have a crop there to harvest, um, you know, there is absolutely no need to put your combine head down and go through those. Um, I mean, even if you run a combine completely empty, uh, it's common for there to be 150 pounds of plant material inside your combine. And I mean, I keep in mind that plant material is a lot of chaff, a lot of weed seed, um, and really, if you run weed seed into your combine, I mean, it will scatter it out through the rest of harvest. So when we start talking about harvest, uh, harvest and weeds, it's kind of imperative. Are we talking about scattered weeds mixed through the field? I mean, unfortunately, there's not a great way to uh, avoid those other than hopping out and, and cutting off the seed heads before you harvest. And I mean, depending on how bad that may not be an option. Um, so if that's the case, if it's scattered weeds, 
maybe it's a case where you prioritize harvest and uh, you prioritize those clean fields first and you save those fields uh, that are weedier until last and you come in at the tail end of harvest because like I said, you know, do your best to clean out between fields, but um, you don't want to be harvesting a field full of, you know, sporadic water hemp, for example, and carry that seed stock to the rest of your farm. Now, if it's just like specifically wet holes, I mean, 100%, I would pick that head up and I would go around them. I would leave them. Um, you know, even if there are enough beans to get, it may be worthwhile to cut all the clean areas of the field first and leave those, um, leave those last, uh, you know, weedy patches to finish up. But if there's not really many beans there, it's just not even worth going after. Um, and then you should really keep in mind with what to do next. Uh, you know, uh, excessive tillage doesn't help a wet hole. Um, I mean, I've read some studies where, you know, they recommended letting those stand. And if, um, you know, if the conditions are right, and it, it is safe and there is enough, you know, plant material there. I mean, honestly, you can burn some of those little patches and, uh, and really decrease the germination on those seeds. Um, but, you know, for tillage operations, you may also want to lift up and go around them. It's like I said, you're not going, you're going to be increasing the bulk density of your soil the more you till those wet holes. So you're going to be increasing your uh, problems with uh, water infiltration. And really, you could be dragging weed seeds through the rest of your fields. So uh, try to keep them localized, try to manage them the best you can. And, um, you know, as you're harvesting, it may even be worth, um, if you have the technology, it may be worth, um, you know, dropping pins, uh, you know, where your problem spots are, you know, on your harvest maps. And um, that way you have a map that you can go back and you can really keep a better eye on those spots for years to come. Because I mean, unfortunately, you know, in the case of water hemp, um, those seeds are gonna last very well for at least five years, um, if not more. So um, just a few ideas whenever it comes to maybe mitigating weed seed spread around your farm. We're getting closer to harvest and farmers are excited to get in the fields. So let's talk about some harvest specifics. What moisture level is best for harvesting soybeans? So, I mean, perfect is, uh, you know, 13 and a half percent. The only problem is if you've ever harvested soybeans, uh, I mean, you know, every, every load to town, the moisture level changes. Uh, they pick up so much moisture overnight and um, and they they dry so much in the afternoon and late day that uh, you know it, it's a moving target. So uh, you know I wrote an article last year when I was a soy advisor, and I think it's got a good lot of good points to it. Um, you know I've I've worked with farmers my entire life. Um, you know I've farmed as well, and. Um, you know, most farmers uh, just cannot stand the sight of a moisture dock, you know, on a scale ticket. Um, but I think sometimes we get so concentrated on seeing some moisture dock on a scale ticket that we really kind of overlook what we're doing by avoiding it. Um, so, you know, I, I pulled some, uh, pulled some data from, um, 
there was actually a study done by the, I think the University of Nebraska, but you know, it was saying that upwards of 45% of bean loads in country elevators were, uh, you know, under 11% soybeans, um, with quite a few even down to 9%. Um, so, you know, we get paid by weight as farmers. Um, and, you know, soybeans especially, it seems like at least locally here anyway, uh, most farmers prefer to store their corn at home and prefer to bring their beans to town right off the combine. Um, so every fall, it seems like we will just have a time period where the beans just dry rapidly and we will go from hovering in that 14 and a half to 13 percent to where every bean in the county just drops to nine percent. Um, and a lot of farmers don't realize what they're giving up. So since we sell bushels by the weight, we get paid at 13.5% moisture or 13%, depending on which elevator you go to or terminal. Um, well, at 9%, you're giving away 4.4% of your yield um, because the elevator is willing to buy up to 13% moisture and they're paying you for 13% moisture. So you are shipping them more dry matter and less water. Um, so, you know, if you're, uh, if you're talking about, you know, say a $14 soybean, you're giving up a 62 cent dock on $14 soybeans without you even knowing it. Um, so then by the time you figure at 9%, those soybeans are shattering worse. Now, I mean, obviously a draper head has less shatter than, than a conventional drum head. Um, but, you know, you're also picking up two to three percent shatter loss happening at the sickle. I mean, we've all ridden a combine and heard beans popping off the windshield. Um, so, you know, if you tack on, say, a two and a quarter percent shatter loss on top of that, I mean, here you're giving away, you know, a dollar a bushel um, in dock that you'll never see on a scale ticket, um, which is kind of shocking. You know, you're up to six and a half to seven percent yield loss. And, you know, according to the University of Nebraska, they stated that, you know, at four, at 15 percent, you're giving away roughly a six percent price and shrinkage dock. So, I mean, you know, most farmers would not ship 15 percent beans um, due to the loss that they're taking, but, you know, mathematically they would be financially better off to ship a, you know, a 14 and a half to 15% soybean than to cut a 9% soybean, um, with the shatter and, 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 uh, and the yield loss because of the moisture. Then what are some things growers should do to prepare their equipment and specifically the harvest technology? So, I mean, a, a few things, uh, a few things to keep in mind as you get close, uh, close to harvest, um, you know, depending on your labor situation, um, you know, who you have operating the combine, um, you know, sometimes we have retired relatives who might help out running a combine who maybe aren't quite as tech savvy. Um, that's always a good idea to you know, maybe have your yield monitor card all cleaned off and ready for harvest. 
uh, have all your field names preloaded. Uh, make sure everything's up to date. Um, that way, just in case, you know, whoever's running the combine may not be quite as uh, well versed in, uh, in getting that stuff set. So if you can have all that done and prepared, that really helps for, um, um, for saving data and uh, for, you know, because your, your farm data is as good as what uh, you put into it. So the easier it is for whoever, the, the better results you will get. Um, you know, it may be worth, um, you know, if you're going to be seeding some cover crops, maybe you're, um, um, maybe you sh should have your, your drills hooked up and ready, have a list of what farms need lime application, maybe have a list as far as what needs some soil tests if you're doing a fall testing schedule. Um, those are just kind of some operational things to have in the back of your mind. Uh, like I said earlier, we seem to be in an area where growers ship beans uh, to the elevator in the fall and store corn on the farm. Um, so maybe you need to just uh, reevaluate your um, your contracts that you have. You know, do you have storage contracts in town for a January sale? Do you have harvest contracts where to? Um, you know, as as operations get bigger and do more traveling, it, it, it's worthwhile just maybe to take a moment to pause to see where you have what sold and uh, and kind of how many bushels per acre. Um, and then also speaking of, you know, bushels and contracts and everything, it's good to keep an eye, uh, keep in your mind um, what kind of insurance um, you have. You know, are you on an enterprise where uh, you have your entire operation lumped into one? Um, do you have specific farms that, you know, are standalone and have different yield guarantees? Um, and if you do, you know, keep that in the back of your mind as you're going through harvest. Um, you know, maybe you might have a situation where you do have a yield claim on soybeans. Um, it, it's good to know that as it's happening. That way you can be in contact with your insurance agent and just say, you know, hey, you know, I, I don't remember exactly what my guarantee was, but, you know, this field looks like it's only yielding this. And, uh, you know, start, uh, make sure you have your monitor calibrated. That'll help you as well. And um, you can separate out some scale tickets. Um, so it's just good to take, you know, take a little bit of time just to kind of get your ducks in a row um, and just think through harvest because it'll all that stuff makes... Uh, makes it all easier if you're prepared on the head end versus, you know, realizing in December or January that maybe you had an issue and you needed to start a claim then, um, you know, it's just easier if it's all, if, if you've thought about it on the head end. That's all great advice, Jason. And I want to thank you for sharing that with us today because that's all the time that we have. So thank you for joining us and sharing your insights and observations, which will surely help our growers prepare for a successful 2021 harvest. Hey, thanks so much for having me, and I hope everyone out there has a safe and bountiful harvest. Again, that was Jason Bowler, a 2021 CCA Soy Envoy, sharing his observations on the soybean crop and ways to prepare for the upcoming harvest. If you're interested in learning more about this topic and other soybean management resources, visit www.ilsoyadvisor.com. That's ilsoyadvisor.com to learn more. This has been an Ill Soy Advisor podcast. Thanks for tuning in.